This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high profile data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences and ideas to inspire, innovate and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Spencer, who is the head of customer data science at Aviva. So Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, Kyle. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Happy to be here. Good, good. Yeah, no, uh, pl- pleasure to, to have you, Tom. Um, so I guess where we typically start is by asking people to give themselves a, a brief introduction because I never do it justice. And I guess a bit about your, you know, your background, your journey to date, and I guess up, up until where we are right now, if, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, my background, I, I started, um, I did a, an undergraduate degree in biochemistry. Um, so kind of come from a scientific background. Um, and I was all planning to do, um, go into a PhD and stay within, within the discipline. Um, but truth be told, I, I just got so bored, stuck in a lab all day in my final year, doing my final year project. I just sort of looked around and thought, is this me? Can I keep doing this? Um, and I, I needed to get out. I needed to, um, be with people still staying in some sort of scientific, um, discipline. Um, but I knew it wasn't a biochem lab for, for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't quite sure what though, so um, I took some time out to, to travel, did a bit of work, um, and when I, I started job search proper, I, I came across um, a company called Dunhumby. Um, so this was back in two thousand and three. Um, so quite early days for you know, obviously they they started a lot earlier, but as a company there was maybe just under two hundred people when I joined. Um, so getting in um, early with with, with Dunhumby, and it was um, it was just a, a really eye opening mix of working with human behavior working with large huge data sets at the time um, and the ability to to bring some scientific rigor to um to retail to marketing to loyalty and you know to the whole uh, retail um, value chain so so for me that was really exciting um and of course the, the privilege to to join and be um, and trained, developed through Dunhamby was was just phenomenal. Particularly as we've seen that's exploded into the data science revolution, the analytics revolutions. Um, so yeah, I was, I was with Dunhamby, um, and then about halfway through my career with Dunhamby, I had the chance to to move over to South Korea. So um, Dunhamby had signed a deal with Tesco to work in their international markets. So I think there was about ten or so at the time. Um, so I was um, the first person on the ground alongside um, a client lead. So I was the analytics lead. Um, we had a client lead alongside me, um, and we went and set up the business over in South Korea, um, embedded in the Tesco office over there, which was just an incredible experience. Um, and stayed over in Asia for for the next eight years. Um, built up the team in Korea, moved to um, Shanghai, so leading the analytics teams across the Asia markets for Dunhumby, um, and then back to Korea as um, country head. So general manager running the PL over there, which was um, 
again a really incredible experience really challenging um but i was i was keen to round out the the analytical and um data science training with that commercial aspect um and then bringing us up you know towards present day it came back to the uk started with career uh, with um, aviva sorry in uh 2016 um and been building up this customer data science capability that we've got um there which is you know again an incredible privilege to work for such a such a large prestigious organization um there's lots to do but um every every day there's something interesting to get stuck into yeah nice well yeah appreciate the um the 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 detailed outline i guess um you know having lived and worked abroad myself um i think it's always fascinating when people go and have that opportunity and it's one thing i'm sure you'd probably feel the same but um you know it's certainly something that i always encourage people to do if they got the opportunity you know to go and not just live but but work in different countries and cultures and stuff i think it kind of you know opens your eyes to a lot of things and probably makes you a lot more rounded as a, an individual as well oh um, yeah, yeah totally agree and i think you know you learn a lot about other countries other cultures you also learn probably more about your own culture your own yeah. country yourself as yeah. a person and kind of get a, a, a different perspective on who you are um so i'm so grateful to Dunhumby and, and Tesco and the, the people I was working with at the time to to be able to to do that and learn from others and develop um, because it, it really was transformational for me in my career. It was it was just such a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, so obviously going to ask to jump into kind of Aviva for anyone that doesn't know what Aviva is um, and who they are, what they do. Um, I guess we have, you know, as of today, there's, we've got listeners in 56 countries. So there may be some people not quite familiar with Aviva, but I think for the most part they will be. But before we jump into that, Tom, obviously a lot of the guests that we have on, especially from the UK, are Data IQ 100 folk. You're on that prestigious list, number nine this year. So kind of just wanted to, to touch upon and, and highlight that. But what what do you think was the reason for you kind of being in and involved with the, you know, the Data IQ 100? Um, yeah, well, th- thanks for um, thanks for mentioning that. That was um, just an incredible honour. Um, I've been lucky enough to, to make the list um, for, for a few years, but never never got anywhere near to the top 10. So that was a real surprise. Um, I think part of it is perhaps acknowledgement of what we're trying to do at Aviva. I, I think there's a really um, compelling story there where we, we're working with, um, just, I'll just give a bit of background on Aviva. So the, the largest general insurer in the UK, and also we work across many other um, different product lines um, and I've got some international operations as well. Um, but, I think the story of bringing customer analytics and data science into such a well-established data-driven culture, which the whole of insurance is predicated on using data, understanding data and statistics, um, but trying to bring a different different angle to that and get some synergy, um, I think is a really compelling story. Um, And we're we're making, making a real difference to the business, working together with colleagues with the deep domain expertise that we've got. So we're not insurers, um, but we working together with our colleagues, we can collaborate and, and develop some great things. Um, and then perhaps, you know, try I, I try to contribute where I can into the community. So take part in round tables, present at um, conferences um, and, and try and participate if, if I can. Um, so, you know, perhaps that's part of the, part of the reason, but um, 
yeah, like I say, just just a, a real honour and a surprise to be to be at number nine in that list. Yeah, yeah, you touched upon a great point there, and I think I've been quite vocal about this over the last twelve months because I get a lot of people come to me and you know, they, they talk to me about things like the Data IQ 100 and the other, you know, industry awards that we have out there. And, um, you know, I often get asked questions, something along the lines of, you know, what, why are these people getting chosen? And obviously, apart from their compelling work and success that they've had within their organizations that they're operating in, I think there's such a big element about giving back to that community and being quite active and vocal and present and seen you know to be to be a kind of thought leader in that space and I think that plays a a huge part into it and I think that opens up a lot of opportunities as well you know you know we're getting into the the realms of you know the CDO role right and everyone's trying to position themselves accordingly and I say quite often and quite openly it's people probably like yourself that have positioned yourself in a way that you know you you're you're easily seen and heard and people understand what you're about and, and so on and so forth that are going to be in position to to take those roles as that role starts to mature and more organizations start to adopt. So I think it's a really important piece there. So just to delve into a little bit around what you're tasked with. So you were brought in to build the customer analytics and data science function from a customer perspective in in, in Aviva. Was that from scratch? And I guess what's been the the journey with with that? Yeah. So um I guess when I joined, there was um, some um, customer analytics taking place, as in many companies, um, there tended to be a few people here and there, um, and some pockets of work. But my brief was really to try and um, try and step change what we were doing um, around understanding the customer, um, and I think really importantly, doing something with that. Um, so it's one thing to develop insight and um, create reports, understand you know, trends and, and profiling, but actually what is the business change you're able to drive? Um, so um, I guess the the thing where we're spoiled in Aviva is we've just got such an incredible data asset. We've got, I mentioned before, we've, we've, we're a large company. We've got 15 million customers. We've also got um, a range of products through through people's lives. So we might insure your car, your home, your your pet hamster, your health, your, your life, your, your savings, your retirement. So we've got just an incredible read on um, on people's and their lives and, and try and use that to help people. Um, so the um, the raw materials were there. I think what we, you know, when I came in, what we tried to do was it was coalesce around the customer and not just be, I, I talked to, to the team and still talk about moving from being reactive servants to proactive partners. And it might sound a bit cheesy, but by what I mean by that is, rather than being an analytics group where you're getting loads of emails saying, give me this data, give me these numbers. I need it by end of week. Um, trying to bring um, a more challenge to that. Um, and I, I think there's a lovely um, a quote. I think it's from an ad, ad agency where um, the approach is you tell me what you want. I'll tell you what you need. Um, and it's, it's kind of that, that partnership mm-hmm. and working together to say, well, that's your question now, but actually what's, what's the root cause there? What's the real question um, and I think that's where um, cutting my teeth with Dunhumby really helped because that is just drummed into you of question the question um, and, and partner around it. You're not there just to do what you're told. You're there to add value to the business. So from that, we we built the team effectively from the ground up. We had a nucleus of, of, of good people to help us um, kickstart that, which was great. We weren't building from totally zero. We had some good things in place. 
um, but we were looking at the the technology, the foundations there, looking at the data. So I've talked about this being spoiled by the, the data asset we get to to play with and use. Um, the problem with that is it's a double-edged sword. So there's lots of data silos. There's an incredible number of source systems that somehow we need to make available. It might be getting one place or just get access to it. Um, so so that's that's been a, a sort of perennial challenge that we've been knocking over as we go. Um, and then I think a lot of it was not purely the technical side, but actually the, the relationships and trying to form um, strong relationships with stakeholders, um, understand their business, understand their problems, understand how we can help. Um, Aviva's again another another part of the the challenge is the size and complexity and the, and the changing um, people. I mean, quite often you're having to start again and, and try and you know build on what you've done before. Um, but that's all part of the fun, and I think. Um, the way I look at it and I talk to the team about it is if, if you're using data and you're trying to do the right thing for the customer, you're not going to lose many arguments or debates there. And you're actually going to have a lot of friends and allies who want to do the same thing. Yeah. So um, the trick is trying to find that path and trying to trying to get the right partnerships to, to get um, the analytics and the data science actually applied and used. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I guess you started to touch on there around, you know, doing the right thing for the customer, which probably leads us nicely into, you know, the the bulk of the of the topic today. So I guess, you know, there's a lot of debate now in the industry as as I'm sure you'll have been sat around those round tables and, and kind of speaking about this stuff, but around, you know, the terminology of what we call things and how we label them you know so data driven is is that the right thing or you know data enabled data led whatever the case may be um but ultimately you know what what does data driven mean to you yeah it's 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 um a term that's bandied around a lot and i think depends on who you are and your take on things what what it practically means now i like the term but i think the, the danger is um it's read as slavishly following the data not using your brain just going through the motions and doing what the uh what the data is telling you and I, I think that's rarely the right decision just to use the data um you've got to get your head up you've got to look at the big picture um coming back again to are you asking the right questions are you getting a reasonable answer all of that requires human oversight it requires some well, obviously clear, you know, clearly you can automate some of that process but at the end of the day, you need a human in the loop to look at that. Um, I think, you know, you can combine some of that with instinct as well. And when you're building the team, and actually, you know, you, you may well know more than me than this, that, that many companies will go to the technical skills immediately um, and miss the need for that commerciality, that commercial understanding, that ability to communicate and influence, which which is um, which is really important. Yeah. Um, I, I guess being data driven and slavishly following the data comes into really sharp relief if you're um if you look at data bias or algorithmic bias. And I know you've had some some great podcasts earlier that that touch on that. Um you can get to the wrong answer, you can perpetuate unfair outcomes if you're not not stepping back and looking at that, if you're just following the data. Um and I think a term that you mentioned earlier was a bit about being data led or data enabled. That's perhaps a better term. And I think the way I look at it is augmenting to a, to a greater or lesser degree um, 
human decisions, human action, um, and using data to to understand, to make those better decisions, to test and learn and improve. Um, but with that, there's there's a role for instinct. Instinct. There's a time when there's insufficient data, um, and you do need to to make a call. Sometimes you might need to go on instinct, particularly for some of those wide strategic choices where you'll you'll need to do some scenario scenario planning, get the data in the mix where you can, but know that there's going to be flaws in there. Um, I think data driven probably works better because of the alliteration. It it trips off the tongue a bit easier than data enabled <laughs> or data led. But for me, the sentiment of data enabled is probably a better one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, and I, I think I I agree. I think as you said, the the sentiment is is there and is largely the same. But I guess it's just the nuance of the terminology and how people, I guess, relate to to that. And I think as you said, you know, data driven maybe implies that it's you know, solely blinkered and focused on the numbers and on the data and there's no other context taken into consideration, which obviously, as we know, is is certainly not the case. And yeah, I guess you touched upon a point there around when business is higher and the technical skills versus the commercial skills. And yeah, it's probably best we don't go there, Tom, because we could very well um, end up, you know, a four-hour podcast with me rambling on and ranting about certain things. But um, but I guess leads nicely then into, because I think I agree, you know, the whole data should be an enabler. Obviously, it's a very, very great asset for a business to have and, and you know, form a, a basis of, right, and it starts to point us in the right direction on, on things. But, um, you know, just like technology is an enabler, data is an enabler, so on and so forth. I guess what we've discussed offline is that kind of correlation, if you like, um, around the customer you know, and how you bring them together. So, you know, are we data driven or are we customer focused or customer centric or, you know, are, are we both combined? Um, I guess, how, how do you, how do you become customer first um, whilst also being data driven, if that makes sense? Yeah. And, and, and for me, they're not mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand. And again, that's probably a lot of that is driven by my, um, you know, rising through the ranks at Dunhumby, where that is the pillar for the company of using data to to, to put the customer first um, and um, create a almost a flywheel effect where you're using the data, you're analysing, you're learning, you're improving. With that, that you can then earn customer loyalty. So you're doing the right thing, you're improving for the customer, um, which means you, you you get more data, you can analyze, you can improve for the customer, and, and you know keep getting better and better. And something that the Tesco you know masters at um, doing. Um, I think the key thing is it's got to be at the heart of your company. I don't think you can fake it, and I think you need to fundamentally believe if we do the right thing for the customer, the profits will follow, the shareholder value will follow. It, I don't think it can be. Um, oh, we need to get some more profits. Let's do some stuff for the customer. I think it needs to be a real sort of central tenet to, to your business and who you are. Yep. Um, I think an important thing, and, and again, learning from some esteemed colleagues at, um, at Dunhumby is just just being really clear. It's a it's a commercial play. So there's a danger of um, conflating being customer first or customer centric with being um, customer led or customer friendly. Um, so doing everything for the customer, a really warm, fuzzy glow, you're, you're doing the right thing for everybody. Um, but the danger with that is you're giving away value to, to customers who are costing you, who aren't your best customers. And central to the whole customer first principle is understand 
who are your best customers um where's the value in the market um which customers do you want which customers do you not want um and then and choose your target and and do all you can to understand their needs to satisfy their needs um but do that profitably um i guess on top of that as well it's about taking the long term view so looking at long term growth looking at um underlying health of the business not necessarily in your decisions and that can be really challenging if you're working with um a sort of finance driven business where everything's in your trying to make those decisions across a longer time horizon to say look this might not pay back as a one off thing but these are our best customers they're loyal to us we know that we can there's headroom um and again also understanding just because they're your customer doesn't mean they can't buy more or stay longer in fact they're probably your best chance of people buying stuff with you um and you know helping leadership and colleagues get comfortable with some of that decision making process um so you know i think i think for me data driven and customer first are, are sort of hand in hand um where that you know just perhaps to give an example of where that is is useful of using the data is um if you're looking at a a particular campaign that you might run um you might look at the success matrix metrics you might see you know click throughs you might see um conversion sales um but are you looking at unsubscription are you looking at the people who didn't engage and treating that as a really serious metric so you know we kind of um provocatively talk about if you get a 2% response rate you've got a 98% irrelevance rate where 98% of customers for whatever reason didn't engage didn't respond perhaps I'll, you know it might raise awareness a bit later but you can measure that um, and that's where the data comes in it's allowing you to really drill into your actions and measure and get feedback on what's working and for who um so so i i think they can really go hand in hand otherwise you start pay money hand over fist to to the wrong customers the customers mm. that are costing you money yeah yeah i think there's, there's yeah many good points in there but I, I think i think you're right you know obviously it's a case of using that data to drive that customer first or customer centric approach right and um yeah i think that's a really important point about always i guess articulating internally to the business and the teams that you manage that you know this is a you're doing this for a commercial reason right because i think it's um i think that's an important piece you know and probably easily misunderstood you know because i guess we we hear a lot of these type of words right you know we're customer friendly we're customer focused we're blah blah blah, blah. and i think yeah that can be confused by meaning you know we'll just do whatever is right for the customer at the expense of our business and obviously that's not why we're doing this to st to start with right you know we're using data to typically drive some commercial kind of result or, or output um which is which is all good stuff i guess bringing that back to the day-to-day -day then how do you manage that kind of concept within the team because i i'm mean, just thinking out loud but does it become does it become tricky to try and, you know, be pushing the customer centric narrative alongside the data driven narrative and getting that balance or, or has that been fairly, you know, fairly easy to achieve really? Um, yeah, not easy, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, I mean, there's a couple of lenses to, to look, look through there. I think with the team, um, because we've had the, um, you know, the privilege to, effectively start from scratch you know a few years back as we've set the vision for the team and and the behaviors we're looking for being 
really um, excited about doing the right thing for the customer is something that we're recruiting for. So everybody in the team, um, you know, we, we get excited by um, algorithms, data. We, we love a good geek out. Um, what's really important, I've talked earlier about that commerciality and, and being able to work with with other colleagues and, and get some real synergy. Um, but the secret sauce, I think, is this this customer first mindset um, and doing the right thing for the customer. And it becomes a bit of a crusade um, where it's not just frustrating if your work doesn't get used. It's um, negatively impacting people's experience of the company. It's negatively impacting potential you know, future future profitability of the company. Um, so I think with our company, it's, it's less of a challenge. It's more perhaps polishing and, and working with the team to try and get a a, you know, a clearer view of what we mean by it. Um, and then if I look at the people that we're working with, our, our colleagues, um, I mean, they're a critical part of the success. We can't do any of this alone, um, or we could, but we wouldn't get very far. So, you know, we, we depend on working with our experienced, talented um, colleagues in our, our different lines of business or in, in our IT teams with data governance, for instance. Um, and sometimes there that needs a bit more um, work to help them understand the data, help them understand uh, this customer-centric approach to what we're doing. I think broadly people are really up for it, um, which is exciting. Occasionally you get a few people that um, take a bit longer, um, but I think that's fine. Um, and, you know, I think some of the, the challenges that, that we do get often are not with helping people understand why it's a good thing to use data, um, it's because they've been using data for the whole of their career, but on a, on a, on a different, um, in a different field, which is, you know, well understood, well trodden. Um, and we come with a, perhaps a different take on things. So that's where, you know, the, there's a meeting of minds, there's a, there's a discussion and we look for ways to, to build on each other's skills. Um, and, and again, I've, I've mentioned synergy, try and get synergy. Um, it's probably important to say, if, if you look at my team that, there's one or two people out of a team of a uh, you know 25 30 people who've got um, insurance experience before they joined us. What we've been looking for is that passion, that 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 customer first mindset, because we've got loads of insurance experts. We don't need more insurance experts. What we need to do is bring a different point of view, work really well together with those insurance experts, um, and try and try and apply um, into the real world. Yeah, yeah, I think they're. they're all really good points and as you'd expect something that i probably battle with and um you know try to educate let's say the organizations that i partner with often in terms of look just because you're a bank you don't necessarily need someone that's got banking experience per se you know it doesn't doesn't translate it's not that black and white or or binary so that, that that's good to that's good to see so there's something that you touched upon earlier and I think you know getting to, to be a successful business or team I think there's always an, an underlying element of having a great culture really you know in terms of what you're trying to achieve and there's a common goal and you, you mentioned that the customer centric piece really has to be at the heart of the business you know it can't just be something you kind of turn on and off and you know you do when you feel like doing it to to drive some some value from it and and obviously there's there's a lot of synergies with with just being data driven right you know every company out there now says we're a data driven business or we're a data led business and again i feel that's the kind of 
that's the same concept, right? You either you either are or you're not. But a lot of people say they are, and they kind of turn it on in spells when they want to do something with that data to get a commercial output. Um, so I guess tying that back to the business and the team culturally, I guess for for you know organisations or other data leaders out there that are in you know in in a similar boat to you, let's say Tom, that are trying to drive that customer centric piece how how have you gone about building that culture i know you touched upon it there around getting the mix of of skills but is that driven by the business are you guys just lucky that this is just something that's this is what aviva is or has it has it been a work in progress to kind of get there i guess is is my point um yeah i mean there's you know the the sort of quote that the culture eats strategy for breakfast and i I think the really important thing that I did and with the, with the people we were working with at the time was sit down and just be really clear. What is it we're trying to do here? What's the vision that we're working towards? Um, and also importantly, what are the behaviors we want in the team? So before we're bringing people in, um, writing down and, and trying to articulate um, what it is we're looking for to ourselves as much as anybody, because um, you might have all these ideas about what you're looking for in your head, but writing it down and, and trying to be really succinct um, can really help be clear what you want, what you don't want. Um, and then hiring to that. So through the um, hiring process, looking for people that are um, hitting what we need, looking for potential, obviously, you know, we're not necessarily going to get the, the fully rounded product. Um, I think that's been really important and we've not got it right all the time, but I think broadly we've made some really brilliant hires. Um, and, you know, I'm a big believer in the Steve Jobs quote about we don't hire smart people and then tell them what to do. We we hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. Um, and that's been the approach we've taken. Um, other companies can take different approaches. I think that's the, the exciting thing about data and technology at, at its core. It's, it's quite a human endeavor. And in different companies and in different personalities, they might approach it in, in a different way. Um, but, f- but for me, I've tried to create... Um, a culture of ownership, an empowered culture, um, bringing in good people and then pointing them at some, some, you know, challenging problems and seeing what they can do. Um, obviously being there to try and support, try and help out, try and remove blockers, um, help with, you know, communication and escalation. Um, but broadly let people do what they're good at, um, and try and clear the way for them. Um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's been a real, real key pillar of what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess was, did you find that that, that culture from a organizational perspective, that customer first customer centric type approach, was that, was that already there or was that something that you've kind of had to kind of tease out and kind of prod the stick, so to speak? Cause I guess obviously, you know, you've come in to effectively build that capability, right. As part of that customer journey and, you know, customer analytics and data science team, um, was that already established within the organization as a whole or, you know, have you had to tease that out? Um, I, th- I think the, the, the foundations were there. So, so Aviva is incredibly um, a customer focused organization. Um, I think what we've done is bring a lens into that to say, well, we can use data to understand what we mean by that. And we don't need to be all things to all people. We need to understand who our best customers are Um so, so I, th- I think that that drive to do the right thing for the customer has always been, you know, at the heart of the company. So that that was there. Um, 
the thing that needed a bit more work was this this whole um, reactive servants, proactive partners move, and and perhaps having a voice and pushing back and saying no. Um, sometimes was you know there's a few rocky conversations there with some stakeholders, <laughs> but I think broadly people get it and you know happy to say no. Um, we've just got some brilliant people who get it, are engaged. Um, and it, it kind of brings to mind when, when we were in South Korea, it, it's a culture that is incredibly uh, driven, quite a, a tough place to work. Um, there's a lot of uh, gut-driven, emotional decision-making, very headstrong stakeholders. Um, and I remember talking to the um, the guy I was working alongside at the time, and he said, well, yeah, don't worry, let's just fish where the fish are. Um, and it's, you know, you've got to decide when you're going to stop banging your head against the wall of a particular avenue or stakeholder and say, well, let's, let's talk to this person over here. She really gets it. Um, let's make her famous. Let's do some great things working alongside this, this person and her team. Um, and, you know, try a different approach. So I think it's, you know, it's it's part of the learning process of knowing when to call it a day on a particular avenue and then focus and, and try and try a different tack. Yeah, yeah. So picking picking your sponsors wisely and um, letting the results do the the, the talking for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I find it fascinating because what it always seems to come down to, and I, I feel like I say this on every single episode I, I've done really recently, but, um, you know, anything to do with data and the whole customer piece, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, it's, it's a cultural shift often that's needed right within a business. Um, and, and that's far more easier said than it is done of, of course, but you know, I guess it's just trying to get the organization as a whole to change the way, you know, it thinks and acts and operates towards being data driven or being customer centric or, or maybe both. Um, I guess in terms of, measuring this type of stuff then as far as you know being data-driven and customer-led and i appreciate everything you've said you know is about tying them two together right you're going to do what's right by the customer but use data to to effectively make sure that you're doing it to the right customers you know and doing the right activities and so forth and so on from from a measurement perspective in terms of how you know how successful you and your team have been to the organization how, how do you go around kind of quantifying that if that makes sense yeah it's, it's a really important um point and, and the thing to do and there are different ways to go about doing this and again it, it comes back to perhaps some of the specifics of the, the company the culture that the, the, the the training of the team or the, the individual leading that team. Um, so I wouldn't say I've got the, the perfect answer for everybody, but for me, I, I try and take broadly three different approaches. Um, the first is work out what's eminently measurable. What can you really measure? What can you um, run experiments against, test and control? Um, the, the more straightforward stuff to measure. Um, and then ideally what you can do with that is measure it um, really robustly and be able to stand behind that and hopefully that work will will wash its face um it, it meaning you know it, it it will pay the bills and it will cover the at least the costs of the team and the, the the work that you're doing everything else then becomes upside so then for the second two approaches there'll be some other things where you'll need to make some assumptions you'll need to make some estimations you'll need to talk to stakeholders and say that we think this look. It looks about five percent. It's difficult to say what that uplift is. You know, do you agree? And you know, it, it might be a little bit woolly in places, but everybody's broadly agreed directionally. That's about right. 
Um, but the important thing is you're not necessarily relying on that to prove the value. That becomes the the icing on top. Um, and then the cherry on top of that is is perhaps some of the the cooler, sexier stuff, the enablers, the stuff that is impossible to measure or is in research stage um, that you can that is just a great story and it's the right thing to be doing. It's just right now that you know it's not paying back immediately. So I think having those different um, horizons of focus can can really help um and you know get some air cover for the the stuff that's not necessarily paying back right now and, and you know i think with all measurement the key thing is just get started I, I think a challenge with you know people in the team now perhaps me earlier in my career was worrying about measuring perfectly um worrying about getting the perfect answer and the thing is often we hold ourselves to higher standards than many other parts of the business so there are some things that are really hard to measure, but many teams won't be measuring their performance with quite the same rigor a data science and analytics team tries to do. And you know, it, it can become it can become a bit of a fool's errand. You can just waste too much time doing that. I think generally, if you're talking to CEOs or MDs or whoever, they'd much rather you were delivering value into their teams and their business than trying to measure and perfect everything. Um, and I, I just to get this kind of one other important point there. I know. Some some companies and some teams will try and um, attribute the exact value that their team's delivering. For me, I, I, again, I think that can become a bit of a, a rabbit hole. And I think what's much more important is the collaborative value you can deliver. The the it, it almost becomes a bit of a thought experiment, where what really matters to us is what are we getting in front of a customer or a client or a, or an intermediary. Um, is it making a difference to our business? Is it driving our profit line? Is it um, is it making things better for our best customers? And I think that's much more important to measure than um, than anything else. Um, so it comes back to this whole collaborative thing again. We can't deliver value in isolation. We depend on so many people through this value chain. Um, if you start to disaggregate it, it becomes a bit transactional, um, and it you know again that's another grey area you're introducing into into the measurement. Mm. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting. So you know, effectively, what we're saying there is, if you focus the you know a lot of the work on making sure, obviously, you're identifying the right customers and the customers you want to keep, and trying to keep them more engaged, buying more. But if you focus the work on understanding those concepts, the commerciality and the results will often follow, right? As opposed to what a lot of organisations do is really you know, right? We've got this data. What can we do with it to drive some some money out of the other side? That's effectively, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that that's a really inf- important starting point is that that understanding that health check of the business of the process of of the various value chains and saying, well, um, who are our most important customers? Where are we doing great stuff? Well, even before we talk about ourselves, what do they want? What do they need? Um, you know, it's many companies will take a company centric or a product centric view. This is the stuff we want to sell. Who can we sell it to? Um, and what we're trying to do is say, well, who are our customers? What's going on in their world? Um, what do they need? What do they want to buy? Um, and, and I think that's a mindset shift um, that, you know, something that we're, we're on a journey with in Aviva, but I, I know many other companies are looking at as well. Yeah. I guess for, for anyone out there that's part of a customer insight analytics, data science type 
team or a data leader that, that runs a function that's maybe in a business that has um, less appetite, let's say, for you know the customer first approach to, to round this off, Tom, really, what advice have you got for those people maybe to try and help that business along that journey? And I appreciate sometimes, you know, um, some, some, you know, you're often pushing snow uphill as the, as, as the saying goes with certain organizations and trying to change that cultural piece, it becomes really difficult. But I guess, you know, if there's businesses out there that have those customer analytics teams, for example, they, they must be half thinking along this line, right? So I guess if it's trying to get them over that line, what, what have, have you got any advice on, you know, things that they might be thinking about to ultimately, you know, try and embed that customer first approach into their, into their kind of data culture? I think um, one of the most important things is, to get real success from it, it's got got to start from the top. You need a CEO um, who believes in it and is driving that down. And you can do some great stuff without that, but it becomes so much harder. Um, you know, I'm lucky now we, with Aviva, we've got um, a really customer-centric, data-driven CEO who's, who's helping to drive this agenda, um, which is fantastic. Um but other people aren't, aren't aren't so lucky, and you know, in the past, I've I've struggled with that as well with with other stakeholders. Um, I mean, my advice would be, you've got to help people understand um, the, the, understand the lay of the land. You've got to help them understand their customers, but also, it can't just be a nice to know. You've got to show how then that can link into what's important to them. You've got to really understand, you know, who are the people that matter in your business. Um, what's important to them, and then have a point of view of where customer analytics and data science could help them. Um, you need to win um, the hearts. You need to get them excited about it. You need to help them understand. To do that, keep it, we, we talked about um, in Aviva, um, about keeping things painfully simple. So um, so my my um, my former boss, uh, Dr. Orlando Machado, would, would talk about that all the time, keep it painfully simple, which, which I totally agree with. Um, but then if you're working with incredibly commercial stakeholders, you've got to prove it. You've got to show the value. Um, and, you know, good stories only go so far. Um, my recommendation would be find some area you can deliver value end-to-end -end and get a real focus on that. Um, don't try and spin too many plates. Um, hitch yourself to, you know, a couple, a few different projects, but look at that end-to-end -end value so you can show the business results coming in um, or prove through some leading indicators that that, that will come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and all of that, all of that makes sense. I guess, you know, again, there's a lot of talk in the industry right around that whole insight to action piece and that's the bit that you know where you know where where the roi and the value comes um effectively so um not surprising to hear hear you say that but i think it's always good for people who are maybe in that situation to you know to be reminded i guess so look tom it's um it's been absolutely delightful to, to have you on really fascinating conversation i guess if um anyone's got any questions about what they what they've hear, heard today um are you open for people to kind of reach out and, and ask you, you know, ask you some questions? And if so, what's the best way for them to, to reach you? Yeah. So please uh, reach out via LinkedIn. Um, that's probably the best channel. Um, please bear with me. If I don't respond immediately, I'll get quite a few, 
few things in my inbox, but I, I try and um, respond, particularly if they're sort of relevant to me and uh, you know, a, a personal request. So I'll, I'll try and help where I can. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to in, um, engage. And if, you know, if we're at events or at anything and uh, when we're back in the real world meeting up in person, I'd, I'd love to have a chat to anybody who's got any, any questions. So yeah, please come and find me. Nice, nice. Tom, look, it's been a, an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for sparing your time to come on and, and share your wisdom with us. Um, and we'll look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks very much, Carl. It's right, been a real cheers. pleasure. Thanks. Thank Speak soon. Bye. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, Please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these too. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.